to the quad Welcome to the quad Welcome to the quad Merry Christmas from the quad Welcome to the quad What's up, guys? This is The Quad with Chris Young. As always, I'm Chris. We got Ryan from Miami. Earning 100 today, baby. We look good. Let's go. We look great for 100. Mr. Gleave. Aging so perfectly. Let's go. Producer Josh. <laughs> I did. What, what's going on with the voice today? <clears throat> Nothing. I'm fine. No, yes, <laughs> voice fine. is not aging perfectly. I'm fine. I have my rock star energy. I'm ready to go. I'm good. Let's party. And Haley the Bear. I like this aging perfectly thing. I don't. I don't want crow's feet over here. <laughs> Which, by the way, the reason that she's bringing that up is she just turned thirty. Ah, don't remind everybody. <laughs> don't remind everybody, please. Oh, I love it. We've got such a great show today. This is our one hundredth episode. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, we've got a couple special guests that are going to be jumping in uh, right now. We actually have Andy Irwin who is the director of the movie we're going to be discussing this week, American Underdog, as well as Brandon Gregory, buddy of ours, president of Kingdom Story Company. Did I get that right, Brandon? Is that Kingdom Story Company? You got it right. All right. That was perfect. I I want to make sure I I get everyone's titles and companies correct. I don't want to mess that up. uh, The president of the kingdom. I love that. Yeah. President (laughs) of the kingdom. Go ahead and hit the sounder, buddy. Movies. All right, so unless you've been under a rock, if you listen to this podcast, you've heard us talking about this movie. Um, We got a chance, uh, thanks to both these gentlemen, to go to the premiere in L.A. at the Chinese Theater, which is iconic. Um, Is it LTC or LCT? Uh, Uh, TCL, TCL. TCL. It's it's fine. I got the right letters. (laughs) Just the wrong order. It's been man's Chinese theater for forever. And so... uh, that is such an iconic building to watch a movie in. Um, we were lucky enough to be able to watch uh, the the final edit here in Nashville and then also attend the premiere, which was super, super cool. Thank you guys so very much. And it's honestly a, a huge, huge honor to have uh, one of the directors of the film, Mr. Andy Irwin. So uh, I, <laughs> I love that it also says Andrew Irwin above your uh, Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> it's only if I'm in uh, in trouble. Andy Irwin's cool. We're we're friends now that you invited me on your hundredth episode. I'm like, I feel like I've stepped into like sacred ground right now. So this is cool. <laughs> well, hey, thank you so very much. Um, as we always do when we're breaking down a movie, I I like to talk about it just a little bit. Obviously, Anna Paquin, Zachary Levi, both in this film. It is fantastic. It's the story about the journey. Um, from kind of being a kid growing up and then his process to becoming the MVP of the Super Bowl for Kurt Warner, which is obviously going to hurt the hearts of a lot of Tennessee fans. <laughs> um, but but it's just a, it's a fantastic film. You, you guys, and I mean this with all my heart, it's not just because you guys have been so nice to us. The, this film is fantastic. It made Josh cry. I cried twice. I mean, Josh cried. That's great. Josh Josh doesn't cry. Um, Josh is not a crier. That's impressive. I'll take that. It is a fantastic, fantastic movie. And um, we've obviously been giving away tickets, but I want everyone to make sure they get a chance to go see this this holiday because it's... Yeah, it opens Christmas Day, correct? Yeah, Christmas Day. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of... That's, I mean, that's... 
the Super Bowl for film. It's like, you know, it's the most attended day of the year when everybody kind of gets out with their families after opening presents. And, you know, obviously we've all already enjoyed Spider-Man and I hope to enjoy that two or three more times uh, <laughs> this week because it was incredible. But you know, Sp- <laughs> Spider-Man creates the wave and then films like ours tuck in behind it and surf the wave. And so we're a great option for the whole family. So we're excited to, I to love that where he's like, yeah, no, all. no, Spider-Man's great, but uh, it, we're, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna say it even if you don't go see American Underdog. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, you've you've probably already seen Spider-Man. You need something new. Yeah. Um, this is such a such a great film from the perspective of blending not only the the story itself, which is just one of those crazy, I, I think iconic stories in sports, yeah. Um, but yeah. also. A story of their faith and a story of how they both raise each other up um, over the course of of their lives, really. And and just yeah. seeing how that happens and the way that you guys portrayed it, um, I, I think is phenomenal. Yeah. Andy, Thanks, man. Andy, so what was it about this story in particular that you guys were drawn to to make this film? Yeah, uh, with... This one, back in the day when, when my brother and I were getting our start, you know, with this, I mean, we were guys from Birmingham, Alabama that had this stupid, crazy dream of doing movies one day. And uh, to pay the bills on the side, we directed music videos. And then we uh, we ultimately, uh, we worked as sports cameramen and that paid the bills on the weekends. So the only Super Bowl that I ever worked was in 2001. And it was Kurt Warner's second Super Bowl against uh, Tom Brady in his first. And it was in New Orleans. And it was the first. No big, no big deal. Uh, no big deal. Casual, yeah, casual name yeah, drops there. Yeah, yeah. It was great, great, great. I didn't, Weren't you the I cameraman was, for Berman and Stuart Scott too? Yeah, Stuart Scott was my was my dude. You did your homework, man. I'm impressed. That, <laughs> that, that's impressive. Yeah, no. Stuart Scott was my was my reporter, and so I was working for the post game show for for ESPN for prime time. And uh, Stuart and I were running around, uh, and God rest his soul, he was an amazing guy. But I was running around getting interviews with them, and I was, um, you know, uh, you know, just kind of a fly on the wall. But I just kept watching this guy. You know, by that point, Kirk's story—it's his second Super Bowl, and his story had become legend. That whole stock market or or, or supermarket to uh, the Super Bowl kind of storyline had become legend. But I just kept watching Kirk interact with this young, spiky-haired, tough-as-nails Marine chick in the in the stands, and that was his wife, Brenda. And I was like, I want to know the story behind those two. So fast forward 20 years later, and I'm sitting in the living room of Kurt and Brenda Warner in Phoenix, Arizona with my brother, and we're pitching them what we want to do with their movie. And they decided to trust us and to kind of be in this position. And then, you know, and then the full circle moment that was really cool is Zachary Levi and I started as young kind of people in of, of faith in L.A., you know, 12 years ago. And he was on the TV show Chuck, and uh, and I was this aspiring filmmaker. And there was a bunch of us that used to go hang out at his house and just play video games. And so he had had his breakout again with Shazam that had put him back on the map. And I had just had a movie that was a music biopic called I Can Only Imagine that did really well. And so we were on the phone, and I was looking at pictures of Kurt Warner. I'm like, he looks just like Zach. And so we were doing a FaceTime, and he was like, hey, what's this movie I keep hearing my name tossed around on for Kurt Warner? And I was like, Zach, I wasn't going to pitch you because I know you're booked for the next three years because he was about to do Shazam 2. And he said, well, COVID may have opened up my schedule. Let me read the script. 
I sent him the script. He freaked out, texting me back at midnight. Yeah, he freaked out. And he he loved it. And uh, uh, and at that point, he's like, "I'm in. Let's do a football movie." And I called my brother and said, "Hey, you know, uh, I just landed Zach Levi. And I didn't mean to. So it just happened." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You're like, "Hey, man, I accidentally landed this uh, really popular actor." Exactly, Andrew. Um, you know, I, go ahead. I Ryan. think. Yeah, no, I, I think your camera work came into play in this movie and, and just learning more about your background and, and your affinity for being on the sidelines. One of the things I noted to Josh, CY and Haley after we had watched the movie is how seamless the transitions were between the filmmaking and the directing on field and the, the actual game footage. Yeah. And how precise you were to the hash mark well, of where yeah. plays would happen. That was, to me, that was one of the, the, the most beautiful parts. Just looking at this from a cin- cinematic you know, perspective, how beautiful it was that you took the time and care to do that that precisely. It was really cool. And Haley, you were specifically calling out like where they would run the plays and they would go between. Yeah. Before Ryan saw it, I saw it. And that's the first thing I brought up. So... It was just like, like even like what's all right. They they catch this over the shoulder corner end zone. It's like that that corner post route, and and so you had it run in real time, right? So that it would match up with that. Um, I mean, was that just it, obviously the connection with the NFL, just with the story? But but we heard from Brandon specifically. He was like, they were very open to letting you guys have footage. Yeah, and use footage. What? How important was that to to the actual filmmaking process for you guys? You know, part of it was just born out of um, necessity. You know, uh, Orson Welles said, "The absence of limitation is the death of creativity." And you know, the idea that sometimes you don't have everything you need. So, because of COVID, we had to shrink the shooting schedule down from forty five days to thirty days, and we were like, we have three and a half days to shoot the finale for this film, the last 25 minutes of the film. And like, that was impossible. So we're like, how do we do this? And we started looking into it and we just said, you know what, what if we did this like Argo did for a political thriller? What if we kind of rooted it in like the archival footage and made it like, this is a moment in time that's happening now instead of happened in the past. And so we got the stunt team together and we choreographed all the plays to be an exact replica to where it was a dance where anything that they were doing on the replays, we did it exactly the same way. So it allowed us to kind of go back and forth and finally earn the right with the audience for there to be this seamless transition where it's both happening at the same time. And uh, Levi did his homework of really getting his footwork down to really look like Kurt Warner played and, uh, and the rest of the stunt team just followed suit. And it was you know, we weren't sure it was going to work, but you know, when it, when it, when it finished it and we were like, Hey, I think we pulled it off. It was cool. I mean, for me, and it was something that obviously we've discussed a lot now with everybody, with the exception of Ryan, who's only seen it once, but we've seen the movie twice now. Um, and I'm, Which I'm by, thousand... the, by the way, by the way, I got to say you guys were, uh, a tough audience. We were nervous about you watching it. We've obviously, <laughs> we, you know, the, the first time, the first time we connected was on movies. Right. And so, um, this you is know, Brandon we're, we're, speaking, by the way, he, he didn't, he just like all of a sudden now he wants to speak up. He's like, I don't know if I want to talk a whole lot, but now, yeah. now you're going to make it seem like we're a tough audience. Okay. You're, yeah. You're, you're, you're tough. Uh, only because you, you guys love movies and you love sports. 
And so we showed you the film uh, pretty early, you know, and, and so going in there, you had a, a group of people, not Ryan, obviously he wasn't included in that, that early <laughs> screening, uh, but that Next you were time. so passionate about film and about sports. And so for you to come out of that um, and, uh, you know, have loved it and been so kind uh, to the movie, that meant a lot to us. And, I mean, and the fact that Josh cried. But that's that's a <laughs> testament to what you guys created because I, obviously you look at that story I, I don't know how somebody didn't pick it up before. Yeah. I mean, that, you look at the story was, of, I mean, of yeah, Kurt they, yeah. They were talking. I mean, uh, it was cool. The other day, um, Kurt and Zach were on Good Morning America, and uh, and they, they showed a clip of Kurt being interviewed 20 years earlier on Good Morning America, his first time after he won the Super Bowl. <laughs> and Charlie, the, the host, said in the interview, he said, if any movie producer approached you guys to do a movie, nobody would believe this story actually happened. And so 20 years later for it to actually be a movie, the fact that it fell to us, I'm like, I don't know how this movie didn't get made. And I don't know how in the world, you know, this fell in our lap. Uh, you know, one of the funny things that happened is when we sat down with Kurt and Brenda, well, we were on trial, like, like, and Brenda is a tough cookie. Like that Marine comes out in her, that mama bear, and you don't mess with mama bear. And, so she's like, she's grilling us about how we see their story. And we're my, sitting there. My sister's Cap Marine Corps, by the way. So I totally understand yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. She'll, she'll kick your butt in a heartbeat. But uh, uh, we're sitting there and they had just adopted a uh, German shepherd from the, 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 you know, animal shelter. And that German shepherd, you know, was still had a little bit of post-traumatic stress. And John, in the middle of us talking to him, said, hey, I need to run the restroom. And he jumps up. And that German shepherd lunges at him because it got snap, a snap, thought he was, you know, and lunges at him and, and bites his leg through his jeans pretty hard. And John plays it off like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. And they're like, you know, down dog, I'm sorry, we haven't. And they're, they're dealing with it. John's like, I'll just be right back, I'll go to the restroom. And then all of a sudden I get a text from him in the restroom with a picture of his leg and his leg bleeding. He's like, I'm bleeding. This is horrible. <laughs> oh, my God. And he comes back in, kind of limping. He's like, "Yeah, I'm fine. It's all good." And he just played it off for the rest of the time. And I'm like, "So I don't think Kurt and Brenda know this to this day, but we went through it, <laughs> everything to get their story." So at the end of it, we got a text from Brenda. She's like, "You passed the test." So I don't know if the dog was actually a planned part of the Marine interrogation, <laughs> but I guess I guess we passed. I, guess I, we passed. Uh, I having a 90 pound German Shepherd myself. Uh, that, that's something I'm very careful of because you know, the last thing you want to do is, is have an issue with your dog getting old of somebody else. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Oh my God. That's crazy. That's crazy. So is that the coolest story you have from this whole movie? Do you have like a, a another story that jumps out in your mind just from yeah. either filming or something random that happened that you left in? Like I, I got to always ask that question because there's yeah. so much that gets left on the cutting room floor with you guys. I mean, there, there's yeah. so much that goes into the editing process. I know how hard that is. Well, I mean, it's always, you know, it's a challenge to cut your film down because everything's so precious. And you're just like, you know, you get to that point where you cut everything you can. Uh, and then you have to cut five more minutes and it feels like you're sawing off your arm. So there's a lot that, that yeah, uh, will be deleted scenes on the, on the, on the, you know, home video release. But, um, you know, one of the, the moments that was just happened um, was in the moment. There's a, you know, a special scene that, that where his, the, the car breaks down on the side of the road in the middle of a snowstorm. And 
you know, when we were looking at the script, uh, uh, we're like, how are we going to do this? And we, so we were going to do it visual effects and all that, but we're like, we need real snow. We don't want it to look cheesy. And the week that we were supposed to film that the storm of the century came through Oklahoma and Texas. And it was like an 80 year cold and it like blasted uh, the area with snow and then the temperatures dropped. And so it got down to 15 degrees and at 12 degrees, we had to stop filming. Like that was the union rules. We had to stop, but we hovered right there between 12 and 15 degrees as we were filming that scene and it just, it kicked butt, man. It was awesome how it looked. Uh, it froze the lake over. I mean, but that was something that on the script, we were like, we need it for this specific day. And the week of it just, it just happened. Um, and so it was, it, you know, it was one of those movie magic moments where like, I can't believe we're getting this. It was really, really cool. Andrew, what Oklahoma seems to be like your second home, man. I mean, you, you seem to love filming movies in the Sooner state. Like what, what made that the perfect backdrop for American underdog? You know, um, it looks Oklahoma, like Iowa. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. I mean, that Oklahoma, does help. <laughs> it's one of those places that you want to find, cause John and I really like using, um, practical locations because there's just something about a lived in star Wars kind of universe that it's like, it's got rust. It's got, you know, weather and tear from the years. And it's also got big vistas and landscapes and it just plays. And there's so many, practical locations that have been used over and over again that you kind of like, Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that. But Oklahoma was like fresh territory. Uh, when we came in to do, I can only imagine. And then the other thing is they really have been aggressive on wanting films. So they've gone after movies like ours. I mean, I think Scorsese's filming his new movie there right now, the flower moon movie or whatever it is, which has a lot of country uh, artists involved. Yeah, it does. It does. It looks incredible. And they're filming there in Oklahoma. So, uh, they were aggressive on wanting us back. So we were originally supposed to film underdog in Atlanta, uh, and have to do a lot of soundstage work. And, uh, that was where it was going to be better for the budget. But when COVID hit in, in May, yeah, in May it, of 2020, in May, oh, it would have, I mean, it would have put me in the grave, but, uh, but, uh, when COVID hit Oklahoma came back and said, we can figure out a way to get you guys filming a lot sooner. And we're like, and it looks better. So we were like, let's go back to Oklahoma. So, yeah, I, you know, in fact, I think Zachary Levi has actually set up, uh, he's trying to set up a film studio there right now. He fell in love with the place. So uh, Oklahoma's got a lot going for it with film. I, I, I love filming there. I, that is something that I did not know. Um, just from the perspective of, obviously, a lot of stuff gets filmed in Atlanta for that reason, because they're very, right. you know, they have like an outreach program, basically, to anybody that wants to direct yeah. a film or a show. They're like, hey. We'll uh, we'll help you cut your budget down. Yeah. Which want to save some taxes? Let's yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It, I did. I didn't realize that Oklahoma was one of those spots. I didn't know that. It's, I mean, it's recent. It's like you know, Atlanta is definitely. I mean, Atlanta is actually doing more work now than Los Angeles. But there's these like little pocket kind of niche markets that pop up, and for a while it was North Carolina, and then it was New Orleans, and now Oklahoma is kind of the newest to kind of get aggressive in that second tier. And, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I think. Uh, it's got a lot going for it. And the, the locations are like anywhere you drive in the state. If you drive two hours in one, loca- in one direction, it looks completely different. I mean, and I, so, I lived in Arlington, cool. Texas and spent plenty of time up in Oklahoma. So it's, I, I know exactly what you're talking about as far as <laughs> you can drive and, and see a lot of different things. Um, but it, it's, it's so wild to me that, that you guys were able to, 
do most of that movie in Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, it was a mixture of like Oklahoma and then, uh, you know, it, it, it provided all locations we needed for Iowa, but then for the end of the movie, we needed, you know, somewhere where we could kind of own it almost like a soundstage. And, you know, Jerry Jones opened up the Cowboys practice facility to us in Frisco, Texas. So we came down to Frisco to film the end of the movie and Jerry did do it in the second rate, man, that, that place is incredible. And so we used that to film the whole end of the movie and then everything else is digital. It's like this whole digital world we had to create for the stadiums and stuff. And when we were filming it, you know, John wanted to film the football from the inside out. So he didn't want to do like the traditional TV camera angles shooting from a long distance. He wanted to kind of save him private Ryan and put the the camera in the action. And when we're filming it with the visual effects team, we're like, I think this will work. (laughs) We got to make it work. And then, you know, when I started seeing the visual effects, I was like, I hope it just doesn't look just like a Nike commercial or something. And when I saw the final product, I was like, this looks like real. It's photo real. And so it turned out great. That's really awesome. Hey, before we let you go, um, I got a quick early uh, little trailer for The Unbreakable Boy when I was over visiting you guys. Hype that up yeah. for just give us a little preview of what that's what that's going to be. Yeah, Unbreakable Boy comes out in March, and John Gunn, uh, who is a filmmaker friend of ours that uh, I think is better than us, he's incredible. But he actually was one of the writers on American Underdog, and he had written a script based on a true story about a, a kid that uh, uh, both is on the spectrum with kind of Asperger's and also has a a, a brittle bone condition. That uh, his true story. Uh, about how he affected his alcoholic father and kind of saved him. It was just captivating. And John Gunn had written a script for it and sent it to us while we were in pre-production for American Underdog. And he's like, I really want to do this movie. And we read the script and like, it's incredible. And while we were in pre-production for American Underdog, Zach Levi somehow got a hold of the script. And he read it and he's like, dude, can we do both movies back to back? And I'm like, we can try. And so, uh, unbreakable boy actually slid in and filmed right as right before we filmed American underdog and they killed it. It is a great movie. It has the feeling of kind of uh, wonder meets Juno. It's really, really good. And, uh, so that one is getting high marks and we'll be out in, in March and, uh, something for the audience. And I think the trailer is going to be on the, on the American underdog print coming out on Christmas day. And uh, I also, I Ryan, we'll let you screen that one first. Yeah. Finally. Thank you. boys. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I will say, um, you know, from all of us to you first and foremost, thank you so much for being so kind to our podcast. And so every single person listening to this, if you do not go watch this movie, we'll be dramatically disappointed in you because it is fantastic. We've done everything. We've given you free (laughs) tickets. We've We've talked about things. Um, but it, it's just, it's spectacular. Uh, great work guys. Seriously. I, it's something that, you know, the only way I know how to compare it to anything that I've done is the process of making a record. And it, it takes so long and it, no artist perfected. It's, you know, it, it, yeah. it gets abandoned at the end. You finally get to the point where you're like, I don't think I can change anything else. Right. And, um, yeah. you guys deserve to hear how fantastic this movie is because it is absolutely fantastic great job and um yeah everybody within the sound of our voice 
needs to go listen to this. I'll be posting and about it on my pages. We'll post about it on the quad page. And uh, by the way, it's unanimous, right? We all love this movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, unfortunately, we already did our, um, our, our hot take on sports movies. But if we didn't yet, this would definitely be. <laughs> it would have been up there. This would have beaten the hell out of any yeah. given Sunday for sure. Guys, I, I want to give you one last thing too before before we go. So I I gave one of our tickets to a longtime Rams fan. Grew up a huge Kurt Warner fan, and he just texted me at this moment with his review of the movie. And I just want to read it to you guys for a second because I think oh sweet, it gave me chills reading it. So he said. American Underdog was so good. Easily one of my favorite sports movies of all time. I learned a lot about his come up that I hadn't known before, like his one day stint with the Packers, for example. But everything else was so spot on, even down to the local news stations and mic flags from that time. Toward the end of the movie, I felt like a seven-year-old kid all over again, reliving one of my coolest moments of my life as a fan. Dude, wow. dude, that's awesome, man. I love it. Like, <laughs> you know, I, there were several moments that my mentor was a big Rams fan. And he said, when you get to that press conference, when he said, we're going to rally around Kurt Warner, he's like, that's our Gettysburg address. He's like, don't screw it up. And so I got a chance to, uh, the day after the premiere, screen the film at the Hall of Fame with Coach Vermeil. And he looked over and he's like, you guys got it right. And that was kind of, you know, yeah. so I, I'll wear ones like that as a badge of honor. And we love you guys. I love, I think storytellers love storytellers. And Chris, you're, you're, you're a hell of a storyteller. So appreciate you, buddy. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, that's one of the reasons we started this podcast is just, you know, Ryan's uh, love of sports was kind of how we met when he was working at CBS. Um, you, you look at Haley with all of her knowledge of not only sports, but movies and just kind of her differing perspective from a lot of what we've done. And the fact that she's worked as an animal trainer on a lot of films that's uh, awesome. Which is which is really really cool. And then you know, That's obviously, Josh and I have the relationship of of being friends and writing songs together, and um, that was kind of how this whole thing got started. But one of the things that we were all passionate about is movies, and uh, it's just it's an honor to talk with you guys. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, congratulations, appreciate you guys. guys. Appreciate y'all. All right, y'all have a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Cheers. Go see American all Underdog, right. guys. Merry Christmas. Thank you, guys. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate you guys. Y'all rock. All right. We'll talk soon. All right, guys. Well, um, it, again, I will say it for like the thousandth time on this podcast. Go see American Underdog. Absolutely fantastic movie. Uh, loved having those guys on. So uh, let's let's move on. Let's go to music. Music. All right, guys. We're going straight from uh, guests that were directors and editors of a film to one of my favorite artist on the planet great guy fantastic songwriter and uh one of the guys i played a show with a couple weeks going up in kentucky mr ryan hurd man happy to join the pod this is very cool man congrats on uh it getting this far and uh it's way too much praise for uh the end of the year when everybody's exhausted <laughs> but i appreciate it <laughs> all right uh we got ryan Josh and Haley, I don't know if you've actually met anybody else on on the podcast. I don't think so. I don't think I don't think you guys have met before. But, um, dude, so awesome all, to have all you. beautiful people. <laughs> you you have a great name, Ryan. See you guys, and uh, thank you for having me. You have the best name, Ryan. Just to let you know. Amen. I agree. You know what? 1986, man. I think we were like number one or number two in the name books. So uh, <laughs> there's a lot of us. 
I actually have randomly met you at a bar with Chris. Before. Was that nice? So. <laughs> you were with. We were we were at a bar, and uh, I won't name that bar. <laughs> it was like it was actually probably like a year ago, but yeah, before COVID. Go. So there you go. Pre-COVID. Well, hopefully I was nice. You were very um, nice. <laughs> that's always my first question. Was like, was I was I was I a jerk? I hope not. Try not to be. <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, I, I got to ask, because I don't think I know the answer to this. And obviously, we're just going to hype you up and talk about your music and how much I am a fan. And obviously, you just had a huge, huge hit with uh, your wonderful wife. And uh, it was one of the most played songs of the the dang year uh, with Chasing After You with Marin. Congratulations. Thanks, man. It was, I mean, it's that radio game's hard, and it was, feels good to ring the bell. And uh, it was just a massive honor to get to work with her all year in an official capacity and just pumped to, uh, you know, be able to tour it next year. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, all, all great things. <laughs> I, I, I love actually normally when we do, uh, Wikipedia, it is because we are looking up, you know, information on a movie or information on uh, just kind of like, Hey Google, tell me, <laughs> tell me what this is about. Um, and it's always really tough. I tell people you got to be really careful when you go research an artist because Wikipedia is open source, and uh, at times there are things that are not factually accurate there in the Wikipedia page. But obviously, it, it's easy to find that Pelago is now out, uh, released uh, middle of October, right? Yep, October 15th, man, and um, it's been really cool. Uh, I, You know, when you sign a record deal, you just dream about putting out albums, and um, it took me a second to kind of get enough steam uh, to have my hour label get behind it, And um, but once it happened, man, they did full full force, and, you know, the, the response has been more than I imagined, and uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's very cool. I think everybody says that they're that the songwriting is the most important thing and it always is. But for me, I'm a writer. I, everybody knows I'd started out and still write songs for other artists. But for me, it was, it was, I didn't have anything to prove. Like for me, it was about like proving myself as an artist. And, uh, it was very cool to get to like make an album that I really believed in and believed in the songs, whether I wrote them or not. And, uh, got an opportunity to just finally have something in the marketplace that I was truly, truly proud of. That was full length. I mean, I, I, I love your music. I, I'm a fan. Um, I, I think a lot of people will be surprised that I actually, for a hot minute before I realized there was already a hold on it, um, had the lady, a song on hold that you had a number one with. Oh yeah. yeah, I remember that because I remember. That. Dude, we were on stage re- the other day when you played it. I started to say something, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if this is. I can't interrupt him playing a song after announcing that it was already a hit, and then be like, Hey, I wanted to make a duet with this song, and then that, when I heard Lady A also had heard it, and they were trying to cut it, I was like, Well, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I remember that moment going into my publisher. Who's I, I think we, we shared a publisher at the time. I, we, I, um, and uh, I remember going in and fighting and be like, Chris is texting me personally about this. That means something. We need to let him have it. 
And then well, I, I, they went <laughs> and checked back in on it. Uh, and I remember it lady being like, no, listen to this interview. <laughs> yeah. They're no, it's, it's not, not personal. I mean, it, I've told Charles this a lot. Charles has been so great to me and that whole band is, I mean, I've had a lot of success with them and, and, um, but I remember like it was sort of like a double, please double check on this because if they're not super serious about it, then we need to like make a move here. And thankfully they were. And, um, I mean, those are just amazing moments that you get to share with other artists. Like it is, I, I for me, when I get to write a song with another artist or for another artist, they, they could potentially sing that for the rest of their career. So it's something that you take really seriously, especially, you know, I had it with, with to a T, uh, Jake was going to record it. And I, I called him and I had to say like, Hey man, I'm really sorry, but I think I need to record this. And his words were, I was wondering why you were so stupid. Like, <laughs> I was he's like, I was wondering why you weren't going to do that. And some, so like, you're talking about Jake going, right? Yeah. Okay. And in those moments, you just, I mean, it, it's an honor to be in that conversation in the first place. And um, I, I've just, when people ask me about being a writer and, and an artist, I just constantly default to gratitude because not a lot of people get to do both of those things. And maybe if I was more one or the other, I'd have a little more success in each one, but in either one, but, but I just really can't imagine doing this music thing without getting to do my artist project. And I can't really imagine not being a staff writer. So it's cool to get to straddle the line. Well, I know, I know Ryan, uh, the other Ryan, <laughs> our, our Ryan has a question. Um, I do want to say though, like for me, there's, there's only two times I have had a hold on a song and then found out somebody else also had a hold on it at the same time. Like it had been kind of pitched to two people that both fell in love with it. And both times I was like, well, it's, I already know what my first single is. And so I didn't end up trying to like make a fight over it. Both times the other song has ended up going number one as <laughs> like a huge, huge hit. So that was the the cool thing was, was seeing that song from its Genesis and, and hearing your version of it, which I love. And I, have you ever put that out? I hope you put that out. I did actually. And like when COVID hit, we put out a little EP with, um, uh, with some songs I'd written for other people. So it's got like my version of heartless and it's got my version of, um, rise Sunburst sunset and my version of what if I never get over you, it's called the EOM EP. It's every other memory. So your compass is really great. Every t the two times that you've like put your hand up for a song that's gone number one, my compass is terrible because every time I've pounded the table for a song that I've written at the record company, it's been a flop. So, uh, all right, first I of no all, longer pound, I don't. I don't know if that's. I no longer pound true. the table. I um, no longer pound the table. I no, just dude, say, I, you know I, what? Let's discuss this rationally. Hey, you just write incredible music, man. Well, thank you, man. All right, go ahead, hey, Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, Ryan, one of the coolest things I think of this year, and obviously you've had so much musical success, but to watch you as a dad, you know, with your one-year-old Hayes and uh, and just how much that's kind of changed you and and helped you and, and Marin obviously grow as a relationship, but also grow as a songwriter. Just take me through what this year has been like being a first-time papa and and how how uh, how awesome that's been for you. Um, well, it makes you more serious about it. Um I think that when you're single or you're, you're married and you don't have kids, it's sort of, you know, you obviously need to make a living, but 
it's a little, the stakes are a little bit higher when there's a kid, you know? And, uh, so I think that like, they call it baby luck, but I think there's, it's a, the truth to it is more like, man, you got to get focused when someone else is dependent on you. And, uh, I, I think a lot of times that's, that's the case for writers and, and artists is like, man, that kid puts some perspective on your brain. So, uh, man, we, we love being parents and the ki- our, our kid Hayes is so, so special and he's just easy. And, uh, we spend every single morning with him and, uh, you know, put him to bed every single night, which we, I won't be able to do as much of next year cause we're, we're touring pretty separately. So, um, man, it, it's just every day is a, a massive blessing when you do this job and get to see your kid. And, and, uh, so we've loved the first two years of his life being home, um, time to fire up the buses and burn some diesel, but it's, it's truly like, man, it's been the best thing we've ever done. It's awesome, man. I love hearing that. That's, uh, it, it's been cool for me looking at social media just because, I mean, you guys can tell how proud you are as parents with him. Yeah. And we don't put a whole lot of him out there on the internet and that's just a choice. I mean, other people are wide open with it and that's, that's great too. Uh, we have no, it's not like there's a one size fits all solution for being a parent and being also in a publicly facing job, but man, it's been really neat to have a boundary. Um, it makes us feel like just a little bit more normal and, uh, you know, he's, we'll figure it out moving forward, how much people see of that and what they don't. But man, it's, it truly has been just like, what a, what a cool thing. I have a lot of friends who, you know, either got pregnant or have had a kid in COVID since we've had it. And, you know, they're all the same. All the guys are the same way. They're so terrified of it. And, uh, it's nothing to be scared of. I mean, it's something to absolutely be scared of, but it's not, I mean, it's, (laughs) people do it, man. And it's the most fun. It's a lot more fun, I think, than I imagined it would be. Uh, and it's, it's just, there, there's so many great moments that you would never have. And you know, that you, there, here's the thing you miss, you think you're going to miss is like doing whatever you want, whenever you want. And for me, it's been kind of the opposite. I truly enjoy like having that part of my day to like tether me, uh, because you know, for every like, like, stay out way too late bar night that I have missed in the last two years. I've had so many more amazing mornings with this kid and, uh, it's been just a massive blessing. It's awesome. I love it. Um, and by the way, just like, even from the perspective of someone who's an uncle, like I don't even have any kids. I I've never posted anything of my niece on the internet at least now where you can see her face. And so I, I, I can't imagine navigating that with just how pervasive social media is in our industry right now. Yeah. There's just a choice that everybody has to make. And, and, uh, there's not really a wrong one as long as you're, you're keeping your kid's best interest in mind. I mean, th- there's a couple of things that kind of go into that thought process and, and, um, but yeah, man, we, we want our kid to go, <laughs> grow up as normal as possible he might be a musician he might not i'm kind of hoping not because this, <laughs> this is a hard hard job man go go get a degree and get a job or something or i don't know but uh it's been very cool to like just have that thing that and i think that everybody aside from like kids and whatnot struggles with like where's the privacy line like where's the like at what point am i 
the the world's Ryan or the world's mayor, and when am I like myself? Like when do when do I not have to share something? So everybody has that that line that they've navigated for themselves, and and there's constantly moving. So um, that's just something that we all go through, whether you have a kid or not. I, th- I think that the way you just put that at the end is probably the best. It's, hey, when do I share something? When do I, this is something I get to keep for myself. You know? Yep. And it's, it's, it's hard, man. And I think I've defaulted to not sharing more so, especially after just the last year, weirdo years we've had. Like if, and it's pretty much just music only at this point. And as lame as that sounds, it's sort of like the way that I've been able to keep my sanity. So, um, really also don't look at the DMS. <laughs> That's a big one. Dude, too. All right. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I have never been in my DMs ever. I think I may be the it. only human being. Well, I found a solution and it's very cool because I'm everybody on these management teams has like our management team has somebody that just does socials. And so I say like, listen, like go ahead and you can get up in there and then just like, let me know if there's something I need to know about. Like if somebody sends something that you think is really cool, let me know. Or if somebody sends a, a really cool story or something that I absolutely need to respond to, fine but other than that it's not a good way to get uh, a hold of ryan (laughs) i just i I, you know the other part too is like man it's like the expectation for artists at this point is to share like to be a television station but also an interactive television station to where like i can see your entire life and i can also communicate with you directly like that's what people want and there's people who have the capacity to do that and people like me who absolutely do not um and i love the fans that come to our shows and i love country music fans and i think they're the most loyal fans in the entire world and it's it's amazing to have a a small fan base of my own and get to you know a lot of marin's fans are fans of me also and but i think you gotta you gotta be like man at what point where's the line? What's what, at what point am I a person? And wh- at what point am I an artist? And, uh, you know, everybody's different and I'm not being judgmental at all about, about reaching out to your favorite artist. I think that's awesome. And it, it it's just not something that you're gonna, it's not a very effective way of, of getting a hold of me, but other people truly love that like access or giving that access and other people are, uh, but you know, for me, it's about like, Hey, when it's my turn to be there for the fans and to show up and tour and do the VIP and do all this other stuff at CMAs and, and, uh, you know, the moments that are for the fans, I'm all about it. Dude, I, I'm, just, I'm, I am not, I just, I'm not good at the, you sound, you sound at like being, you're trying to explain it. I, I, I am right there with you. Um, but that's why I'm saying like, I've never been in my DMS and it's, <laughs> it's always very, very frustrating. I mean, the most frustrating thing in the world is the fake social accounts and i'm like guys i'm not going to dm you and it's not because i don't want to interact with you i'm just not going to do that that's exactly right i laugh too at the the fake ones like i don't know what you want me to do about this one if you don't if you think that i'm actually asking you for money or for i'm putting it out out right now ryan hurd knows how to spell (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i don't it's like the internet's been around long enough now to where like who is this fooling a lot of people actually and it's heartbreaking that that that, that, that's a thing i whatever i just i i feel like (laughs) it's just 
whatever. It's it's a hard world we live in, man. And one time, once you figure out one of the platforms, they come up with a new one. And uh, I'll just say all these social media managers are worth every penny they get paid. So <laughs> for real. Hey, Ryan, on a much less serious note, how how did how do you become so good looking? I'm curious. I need some tips. I don't know. I'm getting old, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's getting a little harder and harder every year. But uh, I, I, you know what, man? I gotta say, her jeans are great. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just I, that's a very odd question. I don't know how to answer. <laughs> I more wanted to end on a positive wait, note. Wait, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan's telling Ryan, Ryan he's pretty. Okay, we get it. Yeah, I'm looking at my, just cutting my, it up. the mirror in my truck right now, being like, "Oh yeah, man, you look." every bit of 38 and you're only 35 so <laughs> you look great for 40 it's amazing <laughs> i know wait wait what where'd wait. those five years go huh um so it's christmas week and uh and do you have a favorite before we let you go do you have a favorite christmas song that you have like it's not christmas until you you hear this song you know it's not it's on as it's not on a christmas album do you guys are you familiar with the texas on uh country artist or country artist hayes carl Yep. He has a song on his K-Mag Yo-Yo album called Grateful for Christmas, and it sums up just the absolute normally, like normalcy of Christmas. Like, Grateful for Christmas on that album is one of the best songs I've ever heard. It's so so well written, and, and I've always been a huge Hayes Carl fan, So, but that one is my... Every time he did, did like a live stream during COVID, I'd be up in his little... Uh, comments just being like grateful for christmas like, it's july man <laughs> well we're gonna add that to uh th that's gonna be our what are you listening to for the the final week of the year that we're doing a uh, a podcast so that'll we'll, we'll add that on there for sure yeah man he's a, he'd be a great guest too he's a he's a fantastic human incredible incredible songwriter I, i'm i'm just always been a huge fan so, well, anyway dude, we're, we're a huge fan of you and Thank you again for giving us some time and, and jumping on the podcast. And, uh, dude, I, I can't wait to see what you do next. I don't know if it's the song that you played the other day that you said might be next. I, I, I don't know what you're going with, but I don't uh, either. It, it, I know it's going to be fantastic. I just, you're so dang Suggestions welcome. <laughs> well, what was it? Is the, the, what, what are you drinking? What are you drinking? Is probably my favorite song on my album, and I didn't write it, so uh, it's it was really good. You like made a point to be like, I like this one, and played it, and I was like, ah, it's pretty fire. I don't, yeah, I didn't know the words either. I was like doing the whole look at your phone thing during the show with three thousand people there, which is always a great, great strategy for selling it. But um, <laughs> anyway, that's whatever. Well, hey. Definitely we made go it. check out, uh, and it is, I am pronouncing it correctly, right? It's Pelago is the name of the EP. Y'all yeah. make sure you go check that out. Put it in your favorites. Play the crap out of it this uh, this holiday season. And uh, Ryan, thanks again for joining us. Hey, thank you guys. Appreciate everything, and uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, brother. All right. See you guys soon. Thank you. See you, buddy. Yeah, man. I love him. Great human. So he's cool. awesome. He's awesome. Great uh, human. I, by the way, I didn't say this while he was on, but it's really funny because if you look him up, it says, uh, Ryan James Hurd, born November 2nd, 1986, is an American country music singer and songwriter. In addition to writing number one singles for Blake Shelton, Lady A, Luke Bryan, etc., Hurd is recorded for RCA Recordings Nashville. So he's, he's just one of those guys that's got...
cuts everywhere and you've definitely heard his songs and then it's awesome to see him have that huge number one with Marin. And I loved to a T. Honestly, mm-hmm. I love that song. So yeah, go uh, get the people go, going. Go stream Ryan Heard music. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Let's go to sports. Sports. Who boy. Um the one time the Cowboys need Tom Brady to win a game. <laughs> I believe that was like that that if we would have clinched a playoff spot if Tampa Bay won and they didn't. Oh really? They got blank nine to nothing, which is like looks like an old Cowboys score from like ten years ago. Oh yeah. That is I, the first time Tom Brady has been shut out in a span of two hundred and fifty five games. Fifteen. Do you years. know the That's insane. Do you know the last team to shut him out? No. The Giants. You, it was the Miami Dolphins. And do you know who was coaching the Miami Dolphins at that time? Shocker, Ryan. Freaking shocker. Oh, what do you want to bring up about Florida? Do you know who the coach of the Dolphins was at that time? No, but I bet you're going to tell us. Nick Saban. Oh, Lord. He's a coward. Come back to the NFL. <laughs> this is my new corner. Nick Saban is a coward. Come back to the NFL. Let's go. <laughs> I, I like this hill and mountaintop you're on. It's great. I, I had the Chiefs do this week. We won. I was really hoping you were going to lose, and I thought you were. The Kansas City Chiefs are the undisputed number one seed in the AFC right now. We're back, baby. Uh, You know who is You almost lost the the last two games. We won (laughs) the last two games. We are back. All right. I I do have to bring this up because I have a problem right now, and and I've even fed into it, so I have to, like, check myself almost where the Cowboys have won these games against their division opponents who have beaten other teams in the league. The Washington football team is pretty dang good. And instead of being like, yeah, our defense is fantastic, we're like, what's wrong with our offense? If we can beat everybody with defense and just have an offense that can run the ball and Dak Prescott throws a touchdown or two every game, I'm going to shut up. And That's just fine. enjoy it. It's fine. It sucks for fantasy, but it's great. It's great I'm for your gonna team. I'm going to shut up yeah. and just enjoy the fact that my team is winning. Um, when do the Bears play? Tonight. Ooh. It's, I don't even give a crap to watch the Bears anymore right now. Oh. All it's right. pointless. Why? Sorry. They're going to try and win? Wait, for what? No many, reason whatsoever. Do we have two Monday night games? Yes. Yeah, there's and, one. And and we have a game every day this week. We have, I, every day this week. Except, again, we're seeing this huge... Huge issue. Um, I I think everybody thought we were kind of getting away from it. And now, like, the COVID issue is becoming a problem, not just with NFL, but with, like, our friends got shut out of the UT game because they canceled that Mm -hmm. an hour before tip. NBA just uh, allow – they're allowing hardship signings now so you can add people to your roster out of nowhere. Oh, my God. Um, Josh, this is your opportunity. What are you talking about? You should be excited about this. That's true. That's true. We need to, I'm going to die on this hill. 10 day Josh. That's what we're doing. 10 day contract Josh. Josh. All right. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. They they, they could probably, (laughs) they don't care about winning. Let's go. Let's go. Sign Josh. Poku Poku to Gleave in the corner. Let's go. 10 day Josh. 10 day Josh. 10 day. All right. My favorite NFL story of the week. Jackson Mahomes. Oh, I'm so- I hate this so much. All right. So first of all, this poor bar in Kansas City 
posted this. You could tell they took it down, and the management posted an apology the next day. Leave it up. Leave it up. If you say it and you mean it, leave it up. And the rest of the world was behind you. Leave it up. They were behind you. Everyone hates Jackson Mahomes. Have you seen He's this, He's a Ryan? spoiled little... Mm. <laughs> I'm going to shut up. Bear noise. <laughs> <laughs> um, this this is the, the post, uh, not in its entirety, but I'll, I'll just go for the, the greatest hits. Dear Jackson Mahomes, we're sorry that we set boundaries that you tried to ignore. Oftentimes, people with unearned status and a sense of entitlement think they're above the rules and will lash out at the employee enforcing them. We're sorry we could not see your very large group. As you probably saw, our bar is very small. We're sorry that you have the reach that you do, or at least that you think you do, and that instead of using it for something positive, you decided to use it to try and crush a small business. We survived a global pandemic. We'll survive your ego. Holy <laughs> crap. And then the very end, they go, uh, we're sorry you didn't reach out to us first before taking to social media, but then again, this is an expectation we would have from a mature and rational person, not someone who pours water on fans and dances on memorials of tragically lost people for TikTok clout. We've not been fortunate enough to be born into a much more talented and much more famous family, but we would like to think that if we did have that much luck, we would use our influence in more responsible ways. We hope our apology finds you well. Leave that up. Holy it's crap, perfect. what a roast. It is perfect. What a roast. Absolutely perfect. You have any words? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what the hell? Yeah, so it. I was trying to Boom, figure out. Roasted. I didn't. I didn't see which bar it was until just now. Um, have you been there? I have been there. Yes. Do you want to go? Ahead, go ahead and say who it is. Uh, I, I don't want to. It is must speak. have been a bar called Brady's since it dunked on a Mahomes. It's called. It's called Sot in Kansas City. You can find them on Instagram SOTKC. Um, over in the in the Crossroads district. It's not a very big place, and the story is he rolled in with a crew of like 20 and demanded tables. And they're like, sorry, man, like we ain't got anything. We don't got anything. And that's when he took to TikTok and Instagram to try to take them down. I loved it. I loved it. This is the Kansas city spirit that I love. It's like, we love your brother, but F you, F yeah. you Jackson. <laughs> how does, how does Patrick Mahomes have such diversity in his life that how, how does he deal with it between his, fiance oh. or wife i was like where are we going and his brother <laughs> like how do you have that much in your life to maybe that's what makes him play good football how different are your <laughs> how different is your sister how different is your family you know what i'm saying like this is you you can't answer for everyone in your circle you know what i mean so it's it's tough but um <laughs> yeah how do i say this tactfully um uh, 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 I liked what the bar did. I'll say it that way. And uh, I'm sorry. You know, I mean, Patrick is like the most well liked athlete, both in Kansas City and possibly right? like just in like general. Even if, even if you don't want him to win, you're like, what a nice dude. Yeah, it's like Patrick Mahomes and Steph Curry. How is he that disparate from yeah. his brother? But does he look that much better because of who he surrounds himself no. with? No. <laughs> like, I mean, my maybe. brother's going to be a dick. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's sort of the drama, right? You can see videos of like Jackson and, and Pat's uh, wife, Brittany, doing a TikTok dance. And you see Patrick in the background just shaking his head, being like, why am I here? Right now? <laughs> What's happening? Um, so basically what I'm saying is social media ruins everyone. That is that's what I'm saying. All right. I, you know what? On that note, let me give you a, let me give you an uplifting social media moment. 
Uh, Mr. Chastine, I believe is what he is called on socials, uh, put out a post and he was like, if any major sports team responds to this TikTok, I'll cancel finals. And everyone responded to it. Like every, every team. It, it went viral. It absolutely exploded. His class had like a ton of fun making videos with their teacher and this guy used something where, you know, we all see all the bad stuff, but he used it for a great moment. Everybody decided to rally around it. And it was really funny because not only were like the major league sports teams, like the Bears, the Lions, I think the Lions were the first ones to respond. The Lions are the one who sent them that massive TV. Right. They, because he was trying to find like one of the old 200 pound yeah. TVs that Strapped only of me and Josh Gleaves age, yep. you will remember. Are you yep. kidding me? I got all that. Did y'all have that? Yes. In school? All right. Well, was strapped some, to a rolling some people cart. don't know what he was talking about. Like he did an interview on, I think ESPN where he was talking about, it. he was like, I was trying to find like one of the 200 pounders that I could roll in on the cart for movie day because finals got canceled. But he, it was just really cool. It was a really awesome moment. And then on top of everything else, like in the comments, somebody goes, how did Jake from State Farm get here? And it, it was actually the account for Jake from State Farm just commenting in the middle of it. He goes, what about someone who represents an insurance company? <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. Now, I thought all it was way really down cool. to the pizza, like Pizza Hut and Papa John's are trying to compete for a pizza party. Like it just. That's it was where, awesome. That's when the internet is used for good, not yes. evil. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for using your powers for good. Um, the most recent TikTok he posted was the principal. Like, he's making a oh, video. Oh, I didn't see this and one. And the principal's in the in the door, like, giving the evil eyes. Like, when, you're, when your boss catches you making TikToks with your, your students. students, and you look over, and the principal's just in the window of the door, just <laughs> staring at him. It's awesome. Like, shout out to that. Please go check this out if I you wish, haven't already. I did have cool teachers, but that would have been awesome. Yeah. D different era. Yeah. D different different time. Different time. Um two more things that are uh one that you may think is terrible because you may hate the human, but I personally think this guy has leveraged everything that he has into this year and been one of the most successful people on the internet and it's Jake Paul rocking Tyron oh, Woodley. Oh god. Absolutely bodying Tyron Woodley with the right hand. And right. Ryan, you were there, right? Ryan was there and I yeah. want Ryan, I need you to talk with Haley because Haley thinks it was fake. Okay, let me let me just and I, I want to know from someone that was there because I don't know. He purposely dropped his arm to take that right hook. Yes, he let did. me dispel. Let me dispel. First of all, Tyron Woodley was winning that fight prior to that knockout. He was going to win that fight. He was the more consistent fighter up to that point in round six. I was three rows, by the way, little flex here, three rows behind, you know, Masvidal as he's watching in the front row ringside. <laughs> That's pretty damn cool. This is my first ever boxing match. If you want to call it a boxing match, by the way, and uh, the a thousand percent, it should be called a boxing match. And did you enjoy it? The energy the drama, the entire spectacle of it was sensational. I am all in now on the MMA boxing experience. Are you kidding? I, I don't know if I, I can ever. It. Jake Paul I don't is know if I can ever, boxing. No, first of all, Jake Paul is, he is making basically, it a joke, a freaking joke. It, it's first of all, I mean, he hasn't really fought 
anyone in the boxing space that's a legitimate boxer. So let's, we can put that out. He's 4-0 with four knockouts. But the bravado, he is very no, much no, mcgregor no no no, 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 no. Yes. No, he did not knock yes. out Tyron Woodley the last fight. That was a decision. Okay, so three knockouts in four of his fights. Excuse me, three knockouts in four of his fights. But he has this McGregor-like personality to him, and that seems to be what fans in the sport gravitate towards in terms of polarization. While that fight is going on, you have the entire crowd chanting bleep Jake Paul as he's fighting Tyron Woodley, (laughs) and then he knocks him out. Wait, are you serious? I swear to God, as and I don't know, it might be hard to hear on Showtime when you're watching the fight, but the entire crowd. To be fair, I did not watch it. Did you watch the fight? Uh, no, I just watched the clips. All right. Did you watch the fight? No. I. The reason that I am giving this guy props is because, again, he's doing exactly what Ryan's talking about. He is creating the guy that you want to see lose. The ultimate heel. That's what Floyd Mayweather was his entire oh. career. Oh, don't even compare him to Floyd. No, 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 no. By the way, I, the character. I completely agree with you. Uh, there, this guy has been working very hard, but there's he's not anywhere near the level of boxer of anyone that you could name that is the most paid boxer. Although right now he's one of the most paid boxers. He's not a boxer. And also the people on the undercard who he has signed have talked about they're getting paid better. And he is fighting for fighters to be paid better is jake paul saving boxing right <laughs> now no, no, he's ruining no, no. boxing he is making boxing a joke he is ruining boxing have we talked F. about jake boxing paul. more than we have <laughs> in the last year because of jake paul that's all i'm asking F. probably jake paul. probably he is a prick I, I would like to say whoa first of all first of all that was not a wrestling match where there was a fake knockout at the end bear. I was three seats back and I heard the oh, thud. Oh, three seats back? Cool. Uh, by the way, we're not arguing that he knocked him out because anybody that sees the that punch, he took it that. and he went to sleep. Yep. But, he absolutely plastered him with a hook and it was but impressive he, and... But did he but drop did he, his did arm he drop so his he could, hands so that he could land the I, punch? No, no, there's no, no chance, dude. Woodley, first of all, Woodley got okay, tired cool. as well, those rounds were going... That. Josh is coughing. Haley's pissed. <laughs> Can I make one other uh, one other observation from that fight? Go ahead. Frank Gore and Darren Williams. By the way, Darren Williams, I was pretty impressed. I mean, that was those two were struggling to to land punches, but Darren Williams, he beat the crap out of Frank Gore. That was that was pretty fun to watch on the undercard. I I'm, should have bet I'm on that because I, I knew that Darren Williams has been boxing and for a while. I should have I should have told you guys. Let let me ask you guys and I'm literally going to ask you a question and shut up and I don't hear from y'all. Regardless of whether you think he is a joke, what he's built is entertaining. I just roll my eyes the whole time. It's probably more entertaining than most boxing is for your casual fan. So unless you're, you know, Tyson Fury or Canelo, there's a huge drop off to like the the middle tier of boxers and you know everybody speaks to it's the sweet science and i personally love watching random boxing matches but it's because i grew up doing that with my grandfather and he was like teaching me like okay this is we need to watch for and he was showing me like old george foreman fights and i so again i grew up watching it and i enjoy it and i appreciate it and i've trained it 
to a small extent, right? I I think what he has created is more entertaining he's than created, most of everything He's else. created boxing for me because I don't care about boxing. I've watched the Floyd You want to watch Frank Gore try I want, to hit somebody. I want to watch Celebrity Deathmatch is what I want. It's just like in real life, but... But it, it is boxing for me. I am not a boxing fan. I've watched the Floyd fights where he just is on the defense the entire time, but it's brilliant boxing. I understand. Right. Oh, it is. I gorgeous. understand the art of it and and what he is able to do. All right. You're but in. You're I'm in. You're out. I am 100 percent out. I would love to see him get his ass knocked to the well, ground. But, uh, but, but that's that means the you're point. in. That no, but I don't want to watch the fight. I only There's want to see got that you. clip. He got you, Bear. Admit it. He got you. Jake Paul's got talking, you. Ryan? He's in your head. Ryan, He's can you mute him, head. please? Mute can you Ryan. mute him for once? <laughs> Thank you. No, I don't want to watch the whole damn fight. I just want to see that little clip. The rest of it is not entertaining to me because it's just a joke. It's but a freaking joke. But you right, do Ryan, want to see the clip. Ryan, would yeah, you? Yeah, of him getting knocked out. I, it could be by a stranger on the street. I don't care. That's not would, that's would what you that watch is. this? Would you pay to watch another Jake Paul promoted fight night? Well, if I get to go for free and sit third row, well, I might that's pay to watch what it. I'm asking. You get you get to go for free <laughs> and sit third row behind Jorge Masvidal. I I would pay to watch another Jake Paul fight Paul fight because of a Jake Paul fight. fight. I, I would I would pay because of the spectacle that comes with Jake Paul. I'm all in now. I love the character. I love it. I absolutely love the wrestling character that is Jake Paul. He's basically like a version of The Rock as oh, a wrestling don't character. Even, do but not boxing. do not put <laughs> the name of Dwayne Johnson. The Rock in the same <laughs> damn sentence. How dare you? How freaking dare, dare you? How dare you? No more Terramana tequila for you. I, oh. Ryan, I'm with you, dude. I I have never wanted to go see a fight, and I kind of want to go see the next Jake Paul fight. Like I Let's really so it, like it, hypothetically, hypothetically, would you want to go to the no, next one? Absolutely not. <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. Oh, all right. Before I got a connection out, wait, for wait, us, wait, so wait, next wait, Jake wait, Paul wait. fight, we're in. You have to pay <laughs> me to go to that fight. Before we get out of sports, I, I the only thing I want to know about you from the NBA is. We agree the Lakers are done this year, right? Well, let's just hold pause on that for a second. Anthony Davis is out for four weeks with a sprained MCL. MCL. Anthony Davis has been the problem this year. I know that. Whoa, not Russell Westbrook? Not Russell Westbrook. I've been watching this now, and it is a sluggish, unmotivated what appears to be unmotivated. I don't know him. I don't know him. I can't, I'm not, I'm not qualified to say that. It's aggressive. I, this is not what I expected from you at all. He Sorry. is just not playing like the Anthony Davis that we have watched for eight plus seasons. Um, and so what ends up happening now is a return to one of Ryan's heydays, the 2011, 12, 13 Miami Heat days, where now LeBron James is posting up again. He's back to the basket. He's bullying people. He's doing the thing. He has dribbled less in the last two games than he has all season. He might change this whole thing. Now, we'll see. I don't know. It might be too far gone, but this could be the difference maker right now. <laughs> leading leading scorer right after we talked about him. Yep. Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Getting called up by the Lakers. And then cut right after the game. Yeah. But for the record, you guys what, are just going to... 
like 29 in, in, yeah. in 24 and then minutes. They, and then they dropped him. Yep. It's one game. You guys are just going to steamroll past uh, your six-game winning streak Miami Dolphins, who are now 7-7, seven and seven, as I predicted, after starting 1-7. and seven. We, and still, we haven't talked about NFL for like the last 20 minutes. Still, let's, uh, let's go to the hot take. Still third worst in the AFC. Thanks. <laughs> hot take! Just ahead of Jacksonville. Congratulations. <laughs> you must be so proud. Oh, you beat Urban Meyer. Oh, wait. Tied with the Denver Broncos. Congratulations. <laughs> That was a cheap shot on the Urban that was, Meyer thing. That was a cheap shot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dolphins fans. Your team's still terrible, but I apologize. Actually, they're not. They're mediocre. 500. And with quality <sighs> wins against the Jets and the Jets. <laughs> the Panthers. And the Panthers. And what a schedule. What a schedule. Wait, time up. Because I, I actually I, I want to address this before we completely move off of it because we're sort of poking fun at Ryan. And do they have a quality win? The Patriots. They beat the Patriots in week one of the season. In week one with a brand new quarterback. Wins are wins. Yeah, that's true. All right. Guys, do you want to take the lead on this one since this was your idea? It was my idea. It was. Uh, with it being Christmas, there's no better way to end this Christmas season podcast. Yeah. With something we haven't done yet and a lot of people don't even think about till it's brought up but the best christmas villain to come from a christmas movie now there's a really really good one and everyone's gonna think of the one but in the end he's not the villain so i'm not gonna say that he was the christmas villain oh come on mm, he, yeah. would you say he had a change of heart the girl <laughs> the someone's got to say the grinch if not no then, no i think we stay away from it let's leave that one alone because he, he's not you're right he's the good guy in the end. end he is the good guy he's and just misunderstood even though he is one of the most commonly known christmas villains for heart grew three sizes that day yes but you should get that checked out <laughs> <laughs> Please I see they, your physician. I think, I think they make you stop playing basketball. 100%. Or something like that. But as I have professed every year, my favorite Christmas movie of all time. <laughs> well, that just Please worked out perfect. That yeah, that worked Please. out perfect. <laughs> my favorite Christmas movie of all time is It's a Wonderful Life. So there is oh, nothing better. Mr. Potter. He is the That's biggest really a-hole That's really that good. you will ever see in a Christmas movie. Just say. That, that's Nothing more can happen from that. He he starts from beginning to end as the a-hole. And I'm going to keep saying a-hole. So. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> Josh, thanks you for the non-edit. It is a classic, a classic villain and... Obviously, the villain loses in the end. Heartfully. Is that the word? Heartfully. (laughs) Heartfully? Huh? Uh, In the meaning of Christmas, he loses because everyone comes together and (laughs) becomes that person. But, and uh, you know what I just, I did, I just read a fun fact. He was the voice of Ebenezer Scrooge in a lot of the radio edits. Okay, all right, so that was going to be my question. Is Ebenezer Scrooge a bad guy? Because at the end, he's not. But the Grinch is very, very different. I think the Grinch is very different in a sense of... He's misunderstood as opposed to Scrooge is a bad guy until he has a change of heart at the end. 
Yeah, because Scrooge has to see his future in order to change. Grinch, right. Grinch just okay. Changes. So, did, are we allowing Scrooge? Is that where yes. you're going? No. All right, go ahead. What, what what's your what's your pick? <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> this has been a day for me. I'm so sorry with all the coughs. Well, we talked about it last week, and I will still maintain that Marv Merchants is the strongest human being <laughs> in any in any Christmas movie. He, this man has taken bricks to the face. He has stepped on things. He is just took a spider in the mouth like this guy took a spider. this guy can take it and keep going and he is he is like jason in that way you can't kill him you can't michael <laughs> myers or michael myers whatever like he you just he is eternal he will he's the villain Cher, that doesn't die him share and keith richards will all be around at the end of <laughs> at the end of the day so i'll right. take marv from the home alone ryan who you got Josh kind of stole mine, so I have to I have to make a little swap to what will be my second uh, least liked villain of all time, and that would be Scott Farkas from A Christmas Story. God help me, Yellow Eyes, get the hell out of here! Not a fan. Scott Farkas is is a very wait. Good your one. least liked, or is he your favorite Christmas villain? But I mean, that's what he's saying. He's implying it's kind of what I'm saying. That's like as a villain. Kind of like Jake Paul is your least favorite and favorite villain of boxing. You know, I can't, I can't think of a better Christmas bow. I know you. I know what you you're know what I'm say. doing. You just it's wait. not a you Christmas wait. movie. You wait. You wait. It's not a you Christmas wait. movie. You stop. I hate this Ladies every year. <laughs> Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and it's not Christmas. <laughs> Until this guy falls off the talk of Until this guy falls off the top of Nakatobi Plaza. It is Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Not a Christmas he is movie. The best Christmas villain of all time. I love you guys. Thank you so much. No, no, Happy no, no, holiday. No. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Just just to piss off Josh a little bit more. I do have the top 10 Christmas movie villains. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to The Quad with Chris Young. As always, I'm Chris from Josh, Haley, Ryan. We love you guys. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. 100th episode. We love you all so much. Thank you. And we're out. Wait, wait. First of all, <laughs> I need to hear what the list is. Even though Josh just totally dumped the outro on top of you trying to tell us. Um, also, for anyone that's listened this far into the podcast, we are going to take a hiatus for a couple weeks. And then we'll be back with video. When we return in January, not only will we be on video, but Ryan will we'll be, be, in up, Nashville, we'll be in Nashville, Tennessee. Tennessee. Join of- us! A lot of things changing, so stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Enjoy. Follow the, the Instagram just for updates and fun we're stuff. Gonna, we're going to be posting some content. Don't worry, guys. Oh, also, camo um, hats are in, and get, get some. Uh, camo hats are almost sold out, so go buy your camo hat right now. Link is in bio. You're going to see all sorts of stuff. We're going to we're redoing the podcast studio. We're hanging stuff on the walls. We're painting everything. It's going to be a big year. It's, it's going to be a big, big year. year. The, the most important question I have, though, is do I get my own Sports Illustrated cover with an I'm coming home with me? <laughs> And, and arriving in Absolutely Nashville and just not. in a suit. That a, is that a nope. throwback from American Underdog, maybe? It, we we can give you a Players Tribune cover. That's that's as best <laughs> as we get. That's all we can do. Well, right. next chapter, chapter baby, let's go. Are you doing top five or top ten? Uh, let's just do top ten. It's only ten.
And from our friends at Regal, you know, the people who put out movies. (laughs) 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 Number 10, A Christmas Story, Ryan's pick. Mr. Forkus. At number nine, Stripe from Gremlins. Is Gremlins a Christmas movie? They have a Christmas party, and I if mean, you say it's not, then Die Hard <laughs> is not a Christmas movie either. Yeah, but I, did, I didn't say it wasn't. Just... And then at number eight, we have Oogie Boogie from The Nightmare Before Christmas. That's a good one. Seven, Harry and Marv. That should be higher. That should be higher. Six is uh, Burgermeister, Meister, uh, Burger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from Santa Claus is Coming to Town, 1970. Yeah. Number five, Hans Gruber from Die Hard. <laughs> top five, baby. And number four is The number, Bumble. Number one in your hearts. Number four is The Bumble from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Three, Ebenezer Scrooge. Two, They Have the Grinch. And number one is... Heat Miser? Mr. Potter. No. Heat no Heat Miser, top ten. No Heat Wow. Miser. No Jack Frost. Like, Who put you in it. charge of, of reading the list, by the way? Who gave you that title? Uh, I that gave it to myself, Ryan. Merry, Merry Christmas to her. You didn't you didn't step up that time, so <laughs> I had to. Uh love you guys. Thank you again for we'll see you next year. A fantastic year. And uh yeah, we'll see you in uh twenty twenty two. Merry Christmas. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Shut him up. <laughs>